Billions of dollars of aircraft orders, manufacturing and maintenance tie-ups, advancements on how to make aviation more sustainable. It must be the Dubai Air Show, which is proving to be another blockbuster week for the industry. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. The Nationals feature editor, Kelsey Warner, is here. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. So you were just down at the air show? Yes, fresh back from Dubai. How was it, generally speaking? Uh, Buzzy, of course. I mean, it's an air show as much as it is a defense show, as much as it is a technology show. The planes are out on the tarmac, but also you've got amazing, you know, installations from major companies. Um, Specifically, we'll have a little bit later on, we'll listen to the interview that you did with uh, Badr Al-Olama, who's the executive director of Aerospace and Defense at Mubadala Investment Company. He had a few interesting things to say down at the air show. Um, they've announced a couple of things as well. Um, but, you know, maybe we can touch upon a couple of the sort of hard news that's come out of it. the show. For example, orders for the plane manufacturer Airbus. Emirates ordered 50 A350s, uh, Air Arabia made their orders. So perhaps in previous years, we've had huge, staggering numbers of plane orders, but we still have this year in the region for Airbus $30 billion, which sure. isn't, which isn't bad business. The billions of dollars are still sloshing around the air show. Uh, but yeah, the announcements this year feel a little more uh, tech-focused, a little more sustainability-focused, even space-focused, or military defense spending-focused. So there's a lot going on in addition to the typical marquee orders for Boeing and Airbus. Yeah, so we have Boeing, we have Airbus, we have other manufacturers like Embraer who are showing there as well, the Brazilian plane maker. Um, Helicopters, very much in in focus. We had a couple of things around uh, choppers, as they say. Um, The birds. Yes. One was um, a VIP helicopter terminal being set up by Falcon Aviation and Leonardo. But then there was a... To which I say Hyperloop who? It seems like sort of this intermediary uh, solution for for us waiting for faster travel. Well, helicopter... This is for the expo. I think they said they expected quite a bit of uh, sort of activity in terms of people leasing or hiring or what it, chartering is yeah, the word. Right. Uh, helicopters to go back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from, so from the expo site. Good for them. Yeah, and and <laughs> but there was there was more of a, a kind of industry focused deal from Edge, the uh, defense conglomerate about um, maintaining uh, Black Hawks here. Right. So um Edge subsidiary Amrock has a joint venture with Lockheed Martin and Lockheed has installed a uh, propeller maintenance facility at this site in LA that is going to um, basically they'll no longer have to se- send Blackhawks back to the United States for testing. They'll actually be able to test and maintain Blackhawk helicopters in situ here in the UAE, uh, saving a lot of money, saving a lot of time. Um, and it's actually kind of a vote of confidence from Lockheed Martin, I think, on edge. Yeah, Towers and Economic Council, which is another defense industry uh, focused institution here, announced the the development of four uh, centers for the defense industry as well. So the air show, and I'll I'll make this point, um, these things haven't just materialized in the last few days of like (laughs) frantic negotiations. (laughs) No, they don't. Uh, Rather, the air show is a nice window for how aviation, aerospace, defense has been progressing over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. And they and they wait for the air show to make a lot of these pronouncements. I mean, certainly, you, you know, you don't come up with $16 billion orders for Emirates really um, heightens in, the drama, in a matter of weeks. Well, that's the point. The but, point. But these were orders back from February, right, that then got amended. Firmed up. Right, firmed up. They, they have a workflow to them. 
And there's been a lot of negotiation, I mean, particularly where it comes to Airbus and Boeing, the big manufacturers and the big airlines in this region, a lot of negotiation um, takes place in the public eye, if you like, because there will be pronouncements from executives on both sides about how they view um, certain aircraft or certain orders right. or certain... The uh, saber you know, rattling and the posturing and the, yeah. I mean, when you're making billion dollar deals, you're not you're not just going to roll over. <laughs> just going to hang out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to be hard nosed about it as you as you should be. Um so Airbus took a lot of the laurels in terms of hardline numbers, uh, but Boeing was very much there as well, announcing you know, what they're doing. But in particular, I thought there was an interesting outlook from Boeing saying they're quite bullish about aviation over the next two years. Growth has you know, somewhat leveled off here in terms of um, passenger aviation. I mean, both Boeing and Airbus have massive forecasts for what's going to happen in the next 20 years in terms of air travel. Um, it's... Passenger numbers are set to double in the next 20 years, just full stop, based off of just population influx and changing habits and sort of the globalization of everything. And it was interesting to me that uh, this sort of massive influx, there's going to be a pilot shortage. Uh, so Airbus, the sense I got from Airbus was that uh, some of their sustainability practices are actually hinged on we need to come up with a better solution and a better business case for flying planes with all of this massive demand that we're foreseeing in the coming decades. The model's changing both regionally and globally. Uh, sustainability, and it's tied in with technology, seem to have been a big theme um, at the air show this year. Uh, we, look at the, we look at what these big companies are doing, and actually it seems to me there were a couple of developments. One was Etihad, um, announced this this tie up for uh, with Boeing about for a green liner, right? Which is a dream liner that is actually a kind of pilot to see how more sustainably it can be run. They'll experiment with say biofuels and and, and other things. The first flight will be to Brussels. That's very much a pilot project. It was used the pun. Um, then 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 we you know we, we you also have um, what Airbus is doing with geese. So um, if you, know, you couldn't the, hear that, it was me rolling my eyes. They're going to test <laughs> flying in that sort the of V formation, V formation the of the geese. When well, the V formation itself isn't necessarily groundbreaking or, or sky breaking. I think the birds have been doing it for millions of years. But I think the the, the more general point is that the at this commercial scale, sure. sustainability is very much at the pilot phase. Mm -hmm. While perhaps el you know, sort of away from the mainstream electric aircraft. Solar-powered aircraft so, is beyond the pilot stage. It was. I um, talked to Dr. Sandra Schaefer on Sunday night. She actually heads up their demonstrator program, which it's they being Airbus's demonstrator program, which basically beta tests their some of their more audacious plans, like an electric hybrid plane or um, some urban air mobility stuff. But the Flying V is something that she actually spoke is something we could implement tomorrow and really rapidly reduce carbon footprint, which was funny to me because she's sort of in like the tech scrum innovation space. And one of their leading statements was, we're going to do like the birds do. It's yeah. just, oh, wow. Like, that's not really a, um, not, not a big game you, changer. Did, I mean, we'll get into the, tech, the bit, nuts and bolts of the technology that you saw, but did you, because it seems to me that aviation is kind of like setting, they're setting themselves up collectively to be disrupted by an unknown force that is coming Fingers in. Fingers crossed. Well, in it's the same the way that car makers could have developed electric cars years ago 
or more sustainable vehicles years ago, but didn't really have to. And then in comes the likes of Tesla disrupting sure. things. Whether Tesla succeeds or not, they've definitely changed but leading the industry. leading the industry by the nose, saying yes. this is what we're going to have to do. And I mean – Mostly, I wouldn't be rolling my eyes at Airbus if Boeing hadn't come out and said, here's a very tangible thing we'll be doing with Etihad, our biggest Dreamliner customer, to actually test some real world, not, you know, pie in the sky ideas. Um, so sort of juxtaposing those two ideas. So where's the disruption coming from that you can see, if there is any, uh, that is visible to the naked eye right now? I think autonomy, autonomous flight, and what that will do for unburdening pilot loads. And I, it's speaking with the head of autonomy at Airbus, he said, in my lifetime. And I wouldn't be working for Airbus if I didn't believe that, that we will take pilots out of planes and be flying autonomously. And that, that kind of autonomous where it's predictive and it's reducing failure and it's working more efficiently, that in itself will bring down, you know, fuel loads and, um, Maybe we'll be able to fly more agile plane sizes where passengers, we're not flying empty planes anywhere anymore. Um, and the, auto- the autonomous aspect allows that flexibility I think it, to, I th- to do sort of smaller loads, if you like. Well, yeah, and lower to the ground, flying lower to the ground in a more, um, you know, you can fly more aircraft in the sky if you're not having to kind of deal with chaos theory of humans. If you have autonomous routes, more planes can be in the sky and you can be flying lower, flying smaller. You can be flying between cities. Like this this idea of commuting could change. Um, and I think it will be the big guns who figure out autonomous flight. Um, it won't be a disruptor. But I also think some things that are going on with space exploration and Virgin Galactic are kind of interesting. Um, and so our exploration of space could ultimately have some real world applications for how we become a greener, more sustainable circular economy society um, because of the things that they're doing around, you know, growing plants in a sustainable way where it's circular and you don't have to rely on earth. It's sort of like some really interesting. Um, I think there are a lot of answers in space. So a- apart from space, what other sort of technological developments were there at the air show that caught your eye? Uh, I have to say Raytheon, talking to somebody who works in anti-unmanned aircraft system systems, basically the things that shoot drones out of the sky. Um, this is a problem. He said that they really began to tackle about two and a half years ago when they realized that drones were the new IED, that this next off-the-shelf weapon um, that would would haunt traditional ground forces and any anyone um, would be would be drones, and so two and a half years ago, Raytheon put a lot of time and treasure behind figuring this out, and it was really interesting to me what they're doing. Well, let's get back to the uh, interview I mentioned at the top of the show, which you did with uh, Badr Al Olama uh, from Mubadala. Um, so you, you talked to him about a whole range of subjects, right? Yes. I mean, he's a whole range of subjects guy. He heads up aerospace and defense for Mubadala, which is a gargantuan task, uh, as well as he sits on the board of the UAE Space Agency. He's also the chairman of Strata and Sanad. So following the consolidation of Sanad, they are going to be really investing money in predictive technology that will improve maintenance. So predicting when maintenance needs to happen. And the other thing he said was that Mubadala is intensely investigating business use cases for urban air mobility. They really are looking into autonomous flying cars. And once they 
prove that there is a business case for this, they will actually start putting some money behind it. Right. Let's have a listen to Badr al-Ulama. I got to ask you, would you actually buy a ticket on a Virgin Galactic flight? I, I personally... I, for those for the people that <laughs> you're actually you're already hedging and you're already hesitating. <laughs> for the people that know me, I'm not a very I'm not a I'm not a fan of flying, so I already have my own issues on 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 sort of flying this, on on aircrafts. I I don't want to go on a spaceship. This sounds like a no. That's, <laughs> that's the ultimate irony. How did you end up in this job? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was always been I've always been passionate about manufacturing, and I do think that the UAE has a unique opportunity of reinventing the manufacturing world. And, and, and more so recently than ever before with the fourth industrial revolution. Think about it, right? We missed the first industrial revolution, we missed the second one, we missed the third one, and today we are on par and working with the leaders in manufacturing on the fourth industrial revolution. So we're catching up. Can you describe a little bit what the activities are at Sanad and Strata these days around manufacturing fourth industrial revolution activities sure. in terms of not falling behind and what that means to you? So think about this way, right? We, um, two years ago, we 3D printed an aircraft part that went inside a Boeing 777 for Ittihad. And we did that, we got it certified in four months. Unheard of, unheard of, nobody else has done that. And it's a fact of us saying, we want to manufacture aircraft parts. It took us 10 years to get there, but what's next? I think it would really surprise people to know that there are parts made in the UAE on their flights on Etihad, on Emirates. Almost every wide body aircraft Airbus 330, 340, 350, 380, or a Boeing 777 or a 787 has parts made in the UAE. The rewarding part about it was when you saw young Emiratis, mainly women, taking lead in making those aircraft parts. So I don't know if you know this, but we have over 700 people in the factory. About 58% are Emiratis. And out of those Emirati population, 9 out of 10 are women. So how have you done that? What can companies take away from that strat? Like, how have you done that? Look, I, I haven't done anything. This is the Emirati woman that wanted to be part of the future. They believe in, you know, first of all, there's national pride. They believe in the economic vision. They believe they can offer much more than working in a government job. And they took the challenge. And, you know, I have women that are, that have become team leaders, that have become supervisors, that are running a production line on a specific product. And I haven't done anything. You've no, not done anything. I've not done anything. I there just gave no them the opportunity. There is no effort for nothing, any kind of tokenization. Nothing or... whatsoever. You give them the opportunity. You tell them it's all about competency and you need to prove yourself that you are able to do the job. And they've done it. So I want to switch gears a little bit. You sit on the board of the UAE Space Agency. Have you been on the board since 2014, since the onset? No, I've been on the board since 2017. So what inspired you to get on the Space Agency board as somebody who's afraid to buy a ticket <laughs> for two lives? First of all, I, I, I was appointed on the board, so I, it wasn't by choice. But um, I think everything that we've done for aerospace in, in Abu Dhabi and the UAE has, has just proven that we could do much more with space. It's all a matter of time, it's a matter of focus, and honestly, it's a matter of saying, why not? Everybody else, and this happened exactly what, you know, what I'm telling you now, it's happened exactly with Strata. Everybody was questioning, why the UAE? Why Al Ain? Why making aircraft parts? And, and if you start getting dragged into that noise, you never finish, you never get anything done. So what we did is we said, why not? Why not the UAE? Why not Al Ain? Why not Emiratis? Why not Airbus and Boeing? And for the space missions that have been stated, so we're headed to send a probe to Mars yep. in 2021. Yep. And everything's on track and, and the guys are, ex everybody's excited. <clears throat> we're looking forward to the launch next year. We're, 
We're looking forward to actually getting that probe into the uh, uh, closer to Mars by uh, by 2021 to mark our 50th uh, jubilee anniversary as a country. I mean, it's it's a big deal for us. It's a big deal. And what do you think it means for Emiratis who are headed to college right now? Do you think it's genuinely changing mindsets? Honestly, I mean, uh, the, the the young graduates that I've met with, they realize now that anything's possible. You so, know? what sort of jobs do you have available at Yasat these days, or? I think Yasat, Strata, Senat, all of them have jobs that are required for their operations. I, I, I'm more interested about the jobs of the future. And, and I really don't think young graduates should think about, I mean, they need the experience, they need to work somewhere, but once they have the experience, they should think about what's the next big thing that they can bring to this world. So something that I thought was interesting that I heard um venture capitalists say last week was that the United States has an edge because they're so good at upskilling and reskilling their workforce. Reskilling have become a bit, they're, they're sort of buzzwords, yeah. but they've become so important as technology is so rapidly advancing. How is the UAE or how is Strata, you can speak specifically to the entities, working to upskill workforce or university students to be ready? One thing I'd like to say, similarity between us and the US, the U.S. has been a magnet for people from all around the world. And guess what? The UAE is exactly the same thing. We're a very cosmopolitan country. And we grew up, myself included, in the 80s with people from all around the world. So we learn very quickly. Mm. And for a long time now, the UAE has been a leader in attracting business, business people, entrepreneurs. How is it making a kind of pivot to a more tech-centric approach, a more, a more, tech a more technology-centric oh, yeah. approach. Yeah, I mean, any, any technology that, and, and this is you know, an advantage that the West has over pretty much countries in the Middle East and North Africa. When you have a foundation of businesses, introducing tech is easy because then you know what problem you're solving and what disruption you're creating and what value might come out of it. And I guess, and I, I shouldn't say I guess, I mean, the fantastic thing about the Abu Dhabi Economic Vision 2030 is that they laid a vision where the foundation has been set. Now it's just a matter of introducing that technology to create positive disruption. So in terms of manufacturing, you mentioned earlier the 3D printed part for an Etihad plane. Can you talk a little bit more about how you're implementing, say, AI, big data, robotics yeah, yeah. into your um, assembly lines? I mean, think about Senad, right? Senad today offers maintenance, repair, and overhaul services to airlines. And, and the services they offer is like when, when something goes down on an aircraft, an engine goes down, that aircraft's on the ground. It's a, it's a bad experience for everyone. The airline is embarrassed in front of its customers. The customers are like, I needed to get to Europe, I needed to get to Asia, and, and you just completely messed up my itinerary, right? right? So it's not something that anyone wants to go through. However, they take off the engine, they give it to Senad, Senad fixes it and sends it back. Now, how could we add more value? And, and Senad's sort of, sort of um, value proposition is about coming in when it matters and where it matters. So what we're trying to do with Senad is we're trying to evolve the business into being more predictive. Can I predict before something goes down to add that just that sort of boost of value to the customer to avoid all that embarrassment and all that inconvenience as a result of me as an MRO service provider. So we don't want to compete on labor. We don't want to compete like any other service provider around the world. We want to add value to our customers. So can you give me a kind of real world example of where that might come into play? Very easy. So 
based on how an aircraft would fly, the environment it goes through, the kind of pressures, everything that an aircraft experiences on the engine is data. If we are able to capture the data and do modeling on historical sort of performance metrics, to a certain degree, the analytical platform can actually predict when something could go wrong. Doesn't necessarily have to go wrong, could go wrong. A part may fail, um, it requires you know, some uh, touch-ups, like a quick turn, it requires on-wing care, and that's that data, getting capturing that data and having a good analytical platform that's able to assess it and provide value add to the customer is where Senat can step in. So We're I not there yet, but that's the aspiration. At what point do you think you'll be there? So the first step for us was to be able to provide a holistic end-to-end -end solution, which was combining Senate Capital with Senate Aerotech under one umbrella, which we call Senate now, right? So what that meant was I should be providing maintenance repair and overhaul, a spare engine when you need the spare engine. So what's next for me is to introduce technology to be able to say I could predict it before it fails, and if I have to repair it and it cannot be repaired on the wing, I have a spare part to replace it with. So our first step was to announce the group company, which is Senate now. So there's not going to be, there's going to be only two national champions, Strata and Senate. The next step for us is now to introduce technology into our value proposition. So now the consolidation has actually happened. It's happened. You, you inked the deal earlier this week. I, I am so happy about the consolidation because what we offer customers, as I said, where and when it matters is, is just simple but so rewarding to the customer. And so now the next step is this technology integration and kind of future mapping. We are already in touch with some, uh, some companies and on Thursday we expect to sign an MOU, so we're not wasting any time on it. What will the MOU be on Thursday? To start on predictive maintenance. Start on predictive? To start putting money, putting time, putting effort in developing predictive maintenance capabilities within Senate. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, my last question, I mean, earlier this week, they're kind of reporting and analysts were saying this was going to be a more subdued show in terms of jet orders. And I think, sure, there have been billion dollar deals done. But um, the mix of the show this year, it feels like, you know, Lubadala has a huge stand devoted to Sanat, Virgin Galactic, Edge, the defense tech stand is right next door. There's biofuels. It seems like um, aerospace, there's sort of different themes emerging this year. Can you speak a little bit to um, Dubai Airshow? Sure, it's always about the deals, but what are the other themes that you're seeing? Think about urban, urban transportation, urban mobility transportation. That's a big theme. We've seen a lot of different electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. RTA in Dubai is keen on doing something. So is the Department of Transport in Abu Dhabi. That's a theme. Another theme that I think is going to evolve over time more and more is changing the business model of actually acquiring an aircraft. I mean, I agree with you. The air show has always been about deals, about selling aircraft, and, and you can see these other things that are coming around. But for a long period of time, the OEMs haven't changed the business model of how to make it more affordable for airlines to actually own an aircraft. And it's quite expensive. It's a lot of capital that goes out. There are a lot of leasing companies. There are a lot of companies that actually provide financing solutions. But I think it's about time that there's a change in the business model. Yeah, so what's the disruptive idea you have to change how, how planes I mean, get bought? I mean, it's not as easy as I probably would talk about it, but, but you know, engine OEMs have been very, they've been more creative in the sense of you actually pay an engine OEM something called the power by the hour. So every hour of flying, and obviously you want to maximize that, you pay the engine OEM. 
and I and think OEM stands for original equipment manufacturer. So okay. the manufacturer of the so of say the engine. to Rolls Royce, which Rolls is a Royce huge engine manufacturer, or GE. So you pay GE or Rolls Royce every by hour the that hour. you fly. Okay. But then you you avoid the acquisition cost of you know which is quite expensive. It's the second most expensive thing in an aircraft is the engine. I I, I genuinely believe that aircraft manufacturers it's not as easy could get into that play as well. The thing with that is you have to own the, the, the maintenance, repair, and overhaul aspect of it, which is what Rolls-Royce and GE have done. And with an aircraft, it's much larger, so it's not as easy. But I think that is an evolution of the business model, and it's, it's about time. It's interesting. So my last question is, when do you think Dubai or Abu Dhabi are going to have flying, flying cars and autonomous piloted taxis? I, I actually met a few, and, uh, and they're out there. And it's an interesting question because I asked the question to some of the people that worked on these things, and how, how do you certify it? You know, how do you cert certify a flying car? And, and, and the easy answer to that is you certify it as a car and you certify it as a flying vehicle separately. So you don't get into the sort of gray area in the middle. I, I don't think it's far off. I think it's quite, you know, it's on, the, it's on the edge. Now, the question is, can you make a business out of it, right? And, and that's the bigger question. I mean, it's nice to do things to show the world that, you know, Nothing's impossible, but can you make a business out of it? And, and that's where Mubadla plays a role. We don't want to do something for the for the glamour, for the PR. We're about business, and you can see that in our deals with Serato or in our deals with Senate. So are you looking for an opportunity in this space? We're actually looking into the business model before looking into the opportunity. Does it make sense to have flying cars in the first instance? Do you think it makes sense? I think urban mobility does, but there are other solutions like you know the first mile, last mile. There are many other solutions on first mile, last mile. It doesn't necessarily have to be a flying car. Right. E-scooters, for example. Yeah. And that's worked, I mean, tremendously well. Far less exciting. <laughs> and less expensive. Good to talk to you. Thank Bye. you so much. Thank you, Casey. Uh, before we finish, here are the other stories you need to know about on the national.ae. A new law to protect anyone unable to pay off their personal debt from becoming bankrupt was passed by the UAE cabinet on Sunday. Ithmar Capital, Morocco's sovereign wealth fund, hopes to double its investments within the next five years as it diversifies its domestic portfolio and seeks co-investment opportunities elsewhere in Africa. And Imar Properties' new 25 billion dirham The Valley project on the Dubai Al Ain Road will contain more than 4,500 residential units spanning an area of 200 hectares. That's it for today. All that remains is to thank you, Kelsey, for being with us. Good to be here. Thank you. And our production team, Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. If you've enjoyed this show, please do subscribe wherever you get your content from. Leave a review. Thank you all for listening and do join us again next time.